Welcome back to another episode of Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop. My name is Kelly Knight. I am the shop owner and your host for this podcast. I'm so pumped about this week's class you get to listen into because, of course, anytime I get to talk about my favorite person, my husband, Brandon Knight, I am game. This is such a valuable episode. And I had the privilege of being married to this person, right? So I see him working on this and jotting down notes and getting inspiration for the weeks leading up to this talk. He had sort of the format down, but he just kept on getting more and more inspired. And so I was really interested to see how this would all sort of play out. But this is not your regular manifestation lecture. Nothing really to do with law of attraction or positive thinking or all of those sort of more buzzword ways of manifesting. Not to say they don't work, just to say that Brandon is uh, taking this to a more masterful level for more advanced practitioners. So if you are already really good at manifesting, but you want to you know, get even better and be able to believe in it more and use everything available to you to call in what you want, then you're going to want to stay glued to this podcast. He really introduces and discusses the concept of power and how to use your power to transform your life and how you can actually use the forces of nature and everything around you, like the stuff's your birthright, right? So he teaches you how to expand and harness these energies and and then implement it in the modern age because a lot of these magical practices have a different tone, like we're in a different age, a different era. We have different challenges, right? So how do you take this ancient learning and apply it in a modern way where it's effective for practitioners today? Which is, you know, in my opinion, the definition of a modern mystic, taking these ancient tools that are tried and true and bringing them into into the modern age where everyone has access to. So you're really, really in for a treat. He is the inspiration for this whole Sunday school program that we've come up with anyway. And so it's great to see him back in the mix and, and you know, doing what he does best, which is what I think is, is teach and coach and help people transform their lives. So without further ado, the greatest person in the whole wide world, Brandon Knight on Advanced Manifesting. She said, I'm going to be covering a lot of information today. Um, the reason for that is because manifestation is a very multi-layered thing. It's not as simple as the new age, quote unquote, movement has led you to believe the law of attraction that we can just call something in with positive thoughts. And that can work for a short amount of time, right? So the problem is that once your subconscious gets engaged, which it is all the time in our reality, Dr. Bruce Lipton says that, our subconscious forms 95% of our actions and the way that we manifest our lives. So let that sink in for a minute. Our conscious mind only has control of 5% of our lives. So what that means is that if we want something different for ourselves truly, if we want true different paths, right? If we want to walk a different road than one that we've always walked up until now with the same old patterns. We're meeting the same old person as a partner. We're, we're running into money trouble no matter how much we make because it just kind of um, leaks out somewhere, right? Or we aren't able to hold on to it for some reason. That bill always comes or whatever it may be. There is a very deep reason for that. 
And there's another reason why we all aren't just manifesting what we want all the time. There's some people who can do that, right? And you've probably met them. You've probably been around them. And then there's other people who can't manifest anything to save their lives. But the thing is, at least what they want, the thing is we're always manifesting. Always. And that's what I'm talking about is the underlying cause. The, the, the subconscious part of us is always manifesting something. It just usually isn't guided. It's usually based on what we had when we were little. These little boxes that people put us in. Men are this way. Women are this way. You know, our belief structures are a certain way. From the time that we're little, we're told what life is and what it isn't. Right? Money, you need to believe this around money. Right? You need to have security this way. You need to be a doctor. You need to be a lawyer. You need to be these things. Right? And so in that, what we get is a programming. We're all programmed individuals, and that programming runs extremely, extremely deep. It's not anything that you can just consciously th think your way out of. It requires a practice. It requires something that is engaged and resourced, a structure in your life, so that you can have something that actually has longevity that allows you to manifest something differently for yourself. Right? So I'm going to speak on that just a little bit today and speak on other things and just the, the basics of energy, how it moves in our lives, what mastery of it looks like, right? How to gather power, the difference between energy and power, because there's a difference there. And what you need in order to really start to go down the road of manifesting your life. So some of the basics are you must have energy to manifest. You must you have to gather energy. We don't hear this conversation a lot in our society. What does it mean for a human being to gather energy? What does it mean for us as the biggest batteries of our lives, the, the, the central figure, the sole player of who we are, the direct manifester, the great actor of our big play? How do we gather energy? No one ever has that discussion really, right? It's more than just exercise. It's more than just sleep. Right? So some people get petered out whenever they start to go towards something that really has a lot of meaning to them. They get drained and they get self-sabotaged. Why is that? Why is that an energy drain for some people? Why do we have a sabotage relationship when it comes to success for many of us? Some of us will be on the verge of success and we'll sabotage ourselves right out of it. Or we'll say, I don't have the energy for this and we'll throw our hands up and we'll quit once we were right on the verge of really breaking through to something. I've seen several people do that. And it's because we never have discussions around what it means to gather energy. So I'm gonna go over that some today. But you have to gather energy, and then you have to put intention behind it, and intention behind energy is power. That's real power, that guides the energy, right? And that's what allows you to manifest. That's what allows you to maneuver in a way where things can pop up in a way that has synchronicity, in a way that has alignment for you and your life, in a way that, that you can manifest things that you really want and learn from them. So how we raise energy has, there, there's a few basics, but I'm gonna go into some of the depth of them too. So the first thing that I'd like to cover that a lot of people don't understand or, or really get into um, in, in this culture anyway, as far as a topic of how to raise energy, is through diet. It's one of the first things that you're gonna notice. If you're having an energy drain in your life, take a really, really big look at what you're eating. 
how that is coming into the body. See, our ancestors had a totally different life than us. Our ancestors did not separate our corporal body from the spirit world. They thought it was all the same thing. And so when they did something physical, they thought they were doing something spiritual as well. And actually, that has a lot of accuracy to it. We live in a totally different world now where we've separated our physical body, our mind, our soul, all these different things. When our ancestors viewed it all as one component, right? So if it happened in the body, that means that they could do something to master that and make it happen spiritually for them, right? So the people who really thought about this and had it down lived a different life than what we do right now. So when you hear about the, the old witches meeting the, the elf on the road or you know, the devil at the corner or whatever it may be. They were actually having real experiences. I'm not saying they were actually meeting the devil or actually meeting an elf, whatever you want to say around any of that. But they were having a different experience than we were of their reality. It was just common knowledge. It was, it was an understanding that what happened in the physical world and the spirit world was not separated at all. And they weren't surrounded by a lot of electromagnetic fields like what we are now that put a lot of those experiences at bay. That's a whole other class, but... You see what I'm saying? There's, there's a different understanding. So we operate in and actually work differently in our lives and maneuver differently than what we've always been told is real. We think science is the bound and foundational component of value, but all science does is measure. It doesn't give meaning. There's a big difference. We have to apply the meaning, and that comes from a spiritual practice. It comes from a spiritual understanding of ourselves, our cosmology, we have to start engaging that if we want something different for ourselves, if we actually want to have some sort of mastery where we start to manifest our lives differently. This component has to be addressed. So that goes back to diet and taking care of the corporal body, feeding yourself with things that the body actually is congruent with. I can tell a big shift in my spiritual life and in the way I can manifest anytime I start to eat extremely healthy. Everything starts to fall in line just a little bit more. I can pull things in better. I can draw things to me that I wanted. So take note of that. Another way that you can do it is, and this is a spiritual practice, once again, this is, and when I, it's a discipline, is gratitude. Don't think of gratitude as necessarily a discipline. But one of the things you can engage energy, right? If you want to engage the energy of something that happens, always have gratitude for it in some form doesn't mean that you don't have your initial reaction of shock or, or awe or um, sadness or any of those things. Those are perfectly normal. You can move through those. That's great. Have cathartic releases. Those are essential to manifesting. I'll get to that in a moment. But try to maintain an attitude of gratitude, quote unquote. And what that does is it, it creates a buoyancy. It creates something that allows you to be open and receptive in the moment to what that situation could have taught you or what it can bring to you. And you can do that in every single situation and start to gather energy with it. It's almost like a rolling stone, right? The more that you can practice that, the more that you can engage that as a spiritual practice, the more that you can raise energy around situations and circumstances in your lives. And you start to manifest with that energy. The other thing that I would like to talk about as far as ga gathering energy and having energy is taking 100% responsibility in the moment. Now this is, once again, this is a practice. This is not something you're gonna do overnight, okay? 
but it is something that you're going to have to start leaning toward. You're going to have to take inventory and stock of the excuses you give yourselves, right? And even on a granular, on a granular level, like start to really de- like write them out. Okay, what excuses did I give myself in this moment? What excuses did I give myself in this moment? Because if you don't take, uh, at least start leaning toward 100% responsibility for everything that happens in your life, then you're giving your power away every single time. Right? And so in order to gather energy, you've got to start. And I can tell you, I've, I've at least practiced this in the moment. I can't hold it all the time. It's a very hard discipline to hold all the time. But if you take one situation a day and you say, okay, that situation I'm going to take 100% responsibility for, take note of every single excuse I, I see where I'm, letting my, I'm giving myself an out, where I'm not um, stepping up to the plate and really just meeting that with a lot of energy, then if you do that on a daily basis, you start to gather really, really jettisoned energy around that situation. You'll see it. You'll feel it. You'll be able to take more hold of it, and you'll be able to guide it better the next time that it happens, whether that be a day at work or whether that be a, a time, just an hour at work here. Say, for instance, if we were just merchandising, but I take 100% responsibility as much as I possibly can with no excuses for one shelving section, right? Then I have a lot more energy and control of that shelving section than I do the rest of the store, but at least... I understand my power and my energy when it comes to that situation a whole lot better than if I didn't. So if we're mindlessly going throughout our day, remember that discipline, remember that practice, and try it for an hour or try it for a situation. So I'm not, and by saying that, I'm not saying that everything is 100% your responsibility, right? But I am saying that you, all, that you have to act as if, treat it as a spiritual practice. Be sober about what you're bringing to the table whenever you're taking responsibility or whenever you're trying to gather energy to manifest something new in your life. Be sober about what you're laying down. How bad do you really want this? When I am sitting with clients and we're talking about um, raising money, for instance, a person wanted to raise $300,000 for a film recently that I worked with. And she was just like, hey, you know what? I would really like this to happen. I'm like, really? Doesn't sound like it. When was the last time that you fought for something as if your life depended on it? With all your faculties, you engaged something and said, I want that, and I'm willing to fight for it. I'm willing to go after it. See, that changes the tone. It changes the energy. It raises the energy in the moment. See, we use desire as fuel. That's something we've lost because we've left ritual out of our daily practice as spiritual people. We were coded as spiritual people for a reason. We create our realities through our spirituality because everything comes from the spirit realm that can be manifested in this life. And that's another teaching. But the thing that you'll want to engage in is your desire and consciously move through that. Allow yourself to really want. Do not demonize your desires. Open them up and realize potentiality. There's something that Yogi Bhajan talked about called the law of potentiality. And it's complete amazing openness to the possibilities of everything. Understand that there is potentiality around every single thing that you see in your reality, how your story is unfolding and what's happening there. Unlimited potentiality. You're going to have to start to train your mind to challenge limited thinking. Don't just sit in your limited thinking 
as rote, right? It's as part of the training that we had when we were little, and now we're going to start addressing some of that. Some of the training we had when we were little, we just go on autoplay with that. And we tell ourselves a story that was given to us then is a story we have now, and it was never challenged. It was never engaged in a different way. And so now we just go on autopilot. And the stories that we engage with are just the programmings that are running in the background. So what you have to start to do is challenge your stories. Where did they come from? Do they have any basis in what you want to do right now? See, our stories literally create our lives. There's a really good book. Um, it's called Sapiens by Yuval Harari. Yuval Harari is an archaeologist. A lot of the tech gurus out west are really into this book right now. They just love it. Bill Gates and everybody else is, is pouring over this book. And I'm not going to say it's the most profound book of all time, but it really does have some good points. In that book, he states that there's archaeologists kind of and scientists kind of came to the point that they understood that at one point in human history, it was impossible for us to get a, above 150 people gathered together in a society. Our villages could only grow that big, about 150 people, right? So what allowed us to evolve and create more? What allowed us to manifest this amazing place that we have now in society? It was our stories. Our stories allowed us to manifest humongous things. They allowed us to start to latch on different parts and different villages and different different ways of engaging our society. And I mean, the only reason why we believe, why we have cars right now is because someone told themselves the story that it was possible to have it. Someone told themselves the story that it was possible to have paved roads. Someone told themselves the story that it was possible to have societies like this. We all started believing in it and gathering around and our belief structure started to say, hey, this is possible, I can see it, right? So your belief is key, but your belief right? Guide your stories. Somewhere along the way, you've got to get some kind of training or some kind of, of engagement that allows you to start to change your stories and your belief structures because they are guiding everything. So there's a couple of things that actually do that for you, okay? I'd recommend Gestalt therapy, somatic therapy, something to allow you to move through and engage the emotional components of who we are because your emotions and beliefs are best buddies. You will not unravel your beliefs until you get through the emotions, the emotional um, component of your trauma or how you were engaged when you were little or the different patterns that you have. And so you won't be able to, to go anywhere or move anywhere. You'll be completely um, stunted. So you're going to have to start to unwind that. That's, that's the beginning of power in my mind. The beginning of power is that kind of training. You won't have any real chance at life until you start to move through those emotions some. So you've got to have some kind of cathartic training. You've got to have somebody who's been trained enough to call you out on your bullshit. And say, over here you're staying small. You know, let's, we're not going to stay there. Over here we need, to be, we need to be going toward what keeps you big and congruent and in, in touch with who you really are. And move toward a self-actualized life. Okay, so that's the beginning of power. That's the very, very first structure of it. Okay, the other, one of the other big components that I found is ritual. So ritual really, really engages the system in a way that is completely different than almost everything else we do in society. And we've left all that behind. 
And ritual is more than just saying a ram at the full moon or, you know, doing yoga, although yoga has a really great structure because it engages the corporal body and allows you to transform, right? But you need something that consciously engages your desire. What are you doing about your desires? Yoga doesn't do anything with that. What are you doing about what you want? Our desire is a natural component of who we are. We must deal with it in a conscious way. If we don't, then we end up like the asshole who, who drives a Bugatti, you know, doing this out the window with his money, right? And has a shit-eating grin all the time, right? So that's complete, that's complete moving through your desires and fulfilling them in a way that has no consciousness. Ritual, on the other hand, teaches you consciousness with your desires. So you got to find a way to have rituals that engage it, right? And that's what I teach in, in my class. But the, it's, it's a lost component in our society, but you've got to start doing that in a way. You've got to start finding rituals for yourself that engage your desires and help you move through them, right? So uh, start searching for Aquarian thinkers and teachers, the teachers of the new wave. Start really reaching out and engaging your spiritual self in a way that has... Um, as my wife likes to put it, moves the needle, right? That has a real, real component to it. Search for the real deals. Do not settle for fakers, you know, fake shamans that, you know, have never trained in the Amazon or, or whatever. You know, don't, don't listen to those people. Listen to the people that have had some kind of training that have really set under real people, that have really workshopped themselves for years and have something real to share. Guru Jagat is a good example out west. She's amazing, and she works her ass off on herself. Like she's not a spiritual teacher who just sits back and tells you what to do while she's not doing the work. She does the work. Search for people like that, people that can really start to help you unpack and unwind. People like Adela in our, in our class right now. She's amazing at what she does, and she has had real training. People that have really challenged her, really pushed her buttons, and really brought her to a place of self-actualization inside right? Where she's able to at least rest on that and grapple with it a little bit. She has enough room and space to be able to see herself and see other people with a real light. You know, the Greeks said that the only way to see reality is with your intuition. You cannot see it with your conscious mind. You cannot see it with your physical self, your experiences that are empirical through this. The only way to really see the truth is through having a fully developed and real well thought out and, and done out intuition, having some kind of mastery over that component of ourselves. So let's go into that a little bit. I, I left a sheet on your, on your chairs there. And so if you look, this teaching came from Guru Jaga, but I added in a lot of my own stuff with it and a lot of my own thoughts. But input, output. Okay, so what we're taking in and what we're giving out. Okay, so in an ideal world, this would all match. It would be all balanced, you know, that kind of thing. But right now, it is extremely unbalanced because we're still left over from the Piscean age, right? And that's a very patriarchal age. It was a very nonlinear age where you had a general, a sergeant, you know, and you had people on the top and people on the bottom. So we're trying to kind of flip that a little bit in the Aquarian age where things are a little bit more linear, 
right? And people can, can have um, a shared amount of power and that we can all manifest together in, in very beautiful ways. But we aren't here that yet. That utopia hasn't happened, obviously. We're still dealing and struggling with the programming of the, of the Piscean Age. And so in that, what you have is a lot of output. A lot. Look at Japan, India, here. I mean, it, it, Europe, throughout the world, there's very few countries that don't make you work your ass off to live. Like your output has to be monumental. And your input, by the time you get through with your output, is next to nothing. Right? And so we don't, we don't consider this in our thinking, but I want you to start to allow this in your thinking. How does the energy move my life? Where is all the energy? Well, you can see on the sheet that I passed out, and for those online listening, I'm going to put this up as a resource for you. But you can see the energy is on the output side. All the energy is there. So think about it when you're a child, right? So when we're born, we come out of the womb, and the first thing our parents start to do is groom us for a life around how we're going to make our money. What are you going to do with your life? Get that education, right? You've got to be a doctor. You've got to be a lawyer. You've got to be something of worth, something of value, quote, unquote, right? And it's all based around money. Every single bit of it around security, around money. And it's because we have such an unbalanced, heavy focus on the patriarchal side of society right now. The divine feminine is completely hardly ever engaged. We don't even know what that looks like, right? Our ancestors did. They had a complete and full um, understanding of what it meant to, to tune into the intuition. Like if you look at, say, for instance, the Greeks I just mentioned. Right? They had the oracles. They had like a whole system around being able to engage in the intuition in such a way that you could even um, go to them and, and tell the future and, and things like that. They have all kinds of stories around it. So we don't have those kind of stories anymore. We might have a shop like this where we have a tarot reader set up and things like that. But where, where the energy all is is in the output. Okay? And I want you to look at the sheet. There I have... Um, Security, so, and I have in there parentheses, study that. S study your security around money. Study what causes you to put all the energy, right, from a fear-based side of living into a component where you have to have secu your securities in the creation of your life, the outward movement, right, the output. Also look at the pressure. The only reason why it's all there is because the parents from the very beginning and the society from the very beginning put a shit ton of pressure on us and said, hey, it has to be this way or else you're going to end up broke, you're going to end up poor, you're going to end up this, you're going to end up that, right? But if you notice the arrows that I have there and energy's kind of in the class here, energy's kind of grayed out a little bit because I had it, I had it in color, it was in yellow, so it doesn't show up that well. But if you look, I have it, where we have to pull the energy back to is a spiritual practice. The spiritual practice engages and informs and gives energy to everything else in the input column. So if you can focus on a spiritual practice, right, if you can pull the energy out of, in, out of output so much and start to have more balance with it and pull it back to the divine inner feminine and say, hey, I'm going to start to listen to my intuition. I'm going to start to develop that and what that looks like. I'm going to search for teachers around it. I'm going to actually put some time and some energy and some effort into having a spiritual practice that really has legs, that really engages my life, that really helps me unpack myself. A plan, a structure to contain the energy. That's one of the things you have to have. If you don't, the energy just runs out. If you don't start to think about 
where all this energy is and why it's there and the patterns behind it and how bogged down we are in those areas and while the pressure is there to create something without actually knowing ourselves first, right? Because that's what a spiritual practice does. It teaches us about ourselves. It teaches us how to really engage the self and understand the self and know the self. We have no idea how snowed we are, how programmed we are until we really, really start to work on ourselves and search for the teachers that are the real deal and really start to learn and go to workshops, you know, and classes like this are just the, the beginning. They're the tip of the iceberg. I've said in depth work that lasted two years, years and year and a half courses that take you so deep, you don't even know where you are by the time you get out of them. But you know you're being changed, right? And you know you're moving the needle more toward who you really are. You can feel it. You can feel the unpacking start to happen. So search for things like that. Start to engage and put energy toward the matriarchal side of who we are because it's been ignored forever. And then that will allow you and give you energy and make you feel like exercising, make you feel like dieting right and eating right. That'll, make you, that'll give you self-esteem. It'll help you sleep. It'll help you engage with people better. And from that place, then you have a foundation and a structure to contain the energy to manifest whatever you want. Wouldn't matter what it is. You really can. But that practice has to happen. You have to understand how the energy moves, where it's at, make a conscious effort to pull it back into a place where you can actually utilize it, where it has strength, where it can grow, where it can help you unpack who you are. So if you look there too, um, input and output. I didn't, I didn't put it, um, the, all, the, all the labels on there. But if you look at input, you have connection. So we have to connect. And you, if you notice, I have an arrow going over to creation. So the first thing that you must do is understand who you are and what you want before you can create. Because if not, then you create a bunch of shit. Or you create things that aren't in alignment with yourself and you thought they were all along but they're not, and then you create this big thing, you're like, I don't want it anymore. Holy shit, I created, like I spent half my life trying to create this, and I don't want it. Because you didn't know yourself. You didn't spend the time pulling the energy back into the spiritual practice and understanding the matriarchal side of who you are, engaging that and understanding what you really want. Not what society tells you, not what you were programmed to do since you were little. Who is the adult being that has grown up with grace and strength and beauty? What do they want? Right? So you have the trained person that thinks they want all these different things. And then you have the person you were born to be. The person that just is. The being of beauty that's inside. You have to somehow pull all the shit off and grab and reach for that person with all your might. With everything you have to overcome all that programming. And the thing is, you can't really do it alone. You've got to have teachers you got to have people that can engage you. you got to have people that can help you unpack. That's the reason why I called this class Advanced Manifesting, because it's, yes, there are little tricks and little things you can do to, and I'll go over some of those, like a list of things that you can hold for a short period of time to manifest different things. But unless you do this work that's on this sheet that I'm talking about, unless you connect before you try to create, it's all going to fall apart anyway. It won't matter. You might be able to pull in something for a short amount of time, but it won't have real impact. It won't give you satisfaction. Does that make sense to everyone? Cool. 
Let me give it up, grab it. All right, let's see if there's anything else. Um, and just to be clear, the input is the divine interfeminine aspect of ourselves, right? And the output is the divine masculine. Divine masculine is what you create on the outer. It's, are my contracts straight? Is my money right? Is what I'm building okay? You know, like, is it together? Is it organized? That's, a, that's an executive mind, right? That's a patriarchal mind. The input, on the other hand, what you gain from the spiritual practice, what you gain from connecting first, is understanding the self. How do I want to use the, the patriarchal energy? I want to use it so that I can have something that brings me real satisfaction. So input matriarchal, output patriarchal. Uh, one of the things I'll go over in the, in the laws of, a tr of, of what it means to manifest and different things like that is, is this next component, but I want to talk about it a little bit. You've got to train your mind to think of the possibilities instead of how it always has been. And when I talked about limited thinking, I hope that that kind of crossed your mind, but limited thinking is an autopilot kind of thing, right? And so what you have to do is break it down and understand the story that you're telling yourself. How am I connecting my life? What story am I telling myself around what I want to manifest and why isn't it here yet? And why am I manifesting something other than what I want in my life? And so you've got to really break down the stories. Pay attention to the stories you're telling yourself so that you can create something differently. Right? So pay attention to limited thinking because that's where it slips in. You think it's just part of the story and so it goes on autopilot. Oh, it's just that way. But don't do that catch it and say, wait a minute, does it have to be that way? We can all agree that this table is solid, right, in this room, and that can be the story that we tell ourselves around it, but I've met shamans that could pass their hands to the table. They can do amazing things because they tell themselves a different story. doesn't matter if you believe that about my story or not and what I've encountered. I'm telling you that's a part... People think of realities differently, just like I told you around our ancestors, how they met the, the fairy at the grove and different things like that, and how we hardly ever do that in today's society. It's because they had a different story around their existence. You got to challenge your story. And when I say that, what I mean is, pick apart the story and look at the limited thinking and say, wait a minute, that's based on a belief. Huh. I need to start doing work around that belief and unpacking it. I need to get myself into some Gostal therapy or I need to sign up with a class with a deaf teacher somewhere or any number of things or I need to do a series of rituals around this to help me unpack it. Start looking for that. Start thinking in that direction instead of just, I want to build this business. <laughs> do some work first. Understand and engage yourself and your stories and then start to build the business. Then start to manifest that relationship you always wanted. Then start to manifest the different things that you have that, that you really want out of life. Start to engage the desire then, but first unpack the self. Another key to manifesting is you must find quiet in today's age. A lot of us that are young, a lot of us, that, even me at 42, I'm fully engaged in this society um, here in Atlanta. 
and it is hard to find quiet in the city. Okay, even, even when I start to quiet myself for meditation, there's so much just buzzing around. And so what you have to do is train yourself to meditate, train yourself to find quiet, make time and spend energy. It's just like pulling the energy back into the spiritual practice. You've got to pull energy and make an effort to find quiet. So you can quiet your mind. Don't always have music playing in the background. Don't always have the TV on. Don't always just find five minutes in the day if you can, just, just five, where you can quiet your mind and just listen to yourself. Just breathe. Just put the phone down and just breathe. Cut it off. Do anything you can to try to go internal just a little bit. Start to make it a practice. You don't have to, quote unquote, meditate the right way or the wrong way. There is no right way or wrong way to do this. Just turn off everything and find quiet. I don't care if it's just for five minutes, just quiet that you can just set in. Our ancestors had a hell of a lot of that. Okay, we have next to none now. So we got to reverse it once again. We're pulling back from the patriarchal understanding where all these outer influence and outer things are happening more into an internal structure. This has to happen for our evolution. This has to happen so we can start creating things like businesses that dump shit in our rivers and take advantage of employees. Why is that? It's because they create without connection. We must connect before we create. We have to start doing that and we have to pull energy in and effort around that, that area. And so I kind of went over um, how we spend, uh, very briefly, how we spend desire as fuel. But desire is the energy that engages power the most. So when I'm sitting down with a client and like I was talking about with a person that, that wanted to raise $300,000 for a movie recently and I, I helped her and gave her some rituals around it and, and opened her up and it just kind of came out of nowhere. The, the money just dropped her in her lap. But the, the thing I want you to pay attention to is that we have got to raise enough energy through desire in order to push things forward. When Kelly did uh, a ritual in order to even open up the shop and get out of the depression that she was in, she did it as if her life depended on it. That's the phrase that she used. Think about that just for a minute. If you really want something, if you really want to manifest something, truly, how bad do you want it? Be real with yourself about what you're bringing to the table to manifest it. Be real about how you're raising the energy through your desire. How badly are you willing to fight for this? Are you willing to grab out of everything I just told you? Start to create your life completely differently. Start to focus on and make budgets for self-help engagement, right? There are times when I was doing self-help that I left bills on the table because I knew that it was the only way to manifest my life differently. Let me tell you a little story about me that I haven't shared yet. In 2008, I couldn't walk. I was in a car accident and my, my hips rotated on my axis and all my nerves were being pushed on constantly if I just even moved a little bit. So it put me in the fetal position on the ground screaming and crying and shaking. I couldn't wipe myself. It was one of the most humiliating and embarrassing moments of my life. And that happened for eight months. Everybody said, you're going to have to have surgery. You're going to have to do all these different things in order to move forward, in order to walk again, in order to do all these things. And I didn't believe them. I knew from my training at that point that I had let myself go because of belief structures and subconscious programming that had brought me to that point. Somehow I had created that in my life, and I knew it. 
And so what I had to do was change the belief structures. And so what I did was I did chiropractic care. I did exercises that I knew to do. I'd been in health for years. And um, my parents carried me to the bathroom, right, on a consistent basis. But while I was on my back and what I was doing, I was meditating three hours a day with binaural beats. And I was getting in more and more in touch with my guidance system inside. Okay? And I was starting to change things with my mind and starting to really become clear around my belief structures and the story that I had adopted that led me to that spot. And so I started to change the story some, and I started to see a way out, and I started to see potential as opposed to thinking in limited ways. It's very easy to get really scared, and believe me, I did, shut down the process of belief and faith, shut down the process of potentiality, where you think that everything has unlimited potentiality, and just stay boxed in and lose yourself right there in that moment. In that moment, I could have lost myself forever. I could have just stayed in that. I could have just not done anything about it, not challenged my belief structures that left me there, not challenged my story, and I still probably still wouldn't be able to walk today. But as I meditated, I understood a way out, started to see it, and I was led to shamanic thinking and shamanic understandings. And shamanic plant medicine started to work with those a little bit. And then I traveled to Peru when I could walk on a cane. I eventually got to the point where I could walk on a cane. Then I traveled to Peru and I worked with shamans for a whole month down there. Just lived in the Amazon. And so in that, they started to help me unpack myself. And I worked with plant medicines. I worked with them. And I worked with all kinds of stuff. I got to the point where I could walk upright by the time I had left Peru and come back. And then I integrated by entering depth work with Gestalt therapists, with people who knew to unpack, how to unpack themselves, who had been working in that industry in depth psychology for 25 years. And I worked in that for six years, seven years. And that's where I met Kelly, my wife. And so we kind of figured that we both like to do the same thing and get down the same way since we met in that work. And here we are at the store, right? With a room full of people and manifesting just as we please for the most part. And so, but it takes work in order to have something lasting that has impact that gives you satisfaction too, right? So that you can actually be creative and, and be in touch. But, but in that, I just want you to understand that I, I understand what it is to be deflated, defeated around what you want to manifest and how you want to go. And I also understand what brings you out. I've been there. It's about changing your story. It sounds simple, but it's not. Your story is something that's been on autopilot since you were little, and so it's very hard to change. But you've got to start the practice, the spiritual practice of challenging it, saying, my story's not going to be like this anymore. So now I'm going to work on this with everything I've got. I'm going to unpack myself and look at my story and take stock of it. Right? I'm going to look at my excuses and how I'm not taking responsibility. I'm going to, to look at the different things, the way the energy moves in my life and make a conscious effort to move the energy in a direction that actually feeds me and brings self-satisfaction, that gives me a spiritual practice, that opens up the gates of my life so that I can walk differently. Does all that make sense? I'm going to go over a, a few more things and I'll open it up to questions.
But Yogi Bhajan went over um, some laws of, of manifestation. He was a really great teacher in Kundalini Yoga, brought it to the, to the West here, um, his version of it anyway. And um, I don't agree with everything he had to say, but uh, a shit ton of stuff he said was amazing. And so um, one of the things that they talked about was the law of pure potentiality, right? And so we've already went over that a little bit. You have to understand that no matter what you tell yourself or what your story is saying, there's a whole lot more possible than, than what your story is saying. A whole lot more. And that's why I've said before in other podcasts that we've had here and other speakings and engagements, no matter who you are sitting in this, in this class or who you are listening, no matter how successful you think you are, you sold yourself short. Because your story's not giving into the pure potentiality of the universe. Not yet. If it was, then you would be a Jesus or a Buddha. You'd be changing everybody around you. You'd be opening up new movements, you know, changing the whole world, that kind of thing. If you completely engaged in pure potentiality. So train yourself to start thinking in the possibilities as opposed to what can't happen. Um, the other thing is uh, that I, I really like that he went into, and this goes into a lot of the teachings that, that I really like, law of projection or um, your ability to claim what you want and say it out loud. It can't be as simple as, I don't want to live life like that, or I don't want to live like, like, life like this. You've got to start taking stock of your desires, laying them out and saying, okay, I want this specifically, and I want this specifically, and this is a plan around it, and this is how I'm going to unpack it, and I'm going to do this and create a structure around it. Like, you've got to start making a plan around your desires. If you just say it out loud like that, all you are is complaining and the energy just kind of runs in a circle and it doesn't do anything for you. Stop that, take responsibility and start to engage with it in a way that has specificity, right? Um, containment, the law of containment that he went over. I really like this one too. He said, you must create a structure to hold what you create and the energy of prosperity is going to be coming to you. And so you have to have some kind of of something that you do through your spiritual practice and engaging the executive mind that starts to create a plan where everything can be contained. Have you ever met somebody that makes a lot of money but is always broke? Yeah, I mean, almost all, all of us here have. It, it, like, they can make $300,000, $500,000 a year, but at the end of the year, they're, they're always broke. And why is that? It's because they have not created a structure. They have not created a plan around containing the energy of money that's coming into their lives, the energy of what they're creating that's in their lives. So you have got to do something with your auric field through a spiritual practice. You've got to do something with your body through a spiritual practice. And the way you raise energy so that you can hold what is coming to you. Otherwise, there's no sense in creating. It'll just go right out the window. The law of attraction is, is a very simple one. It's something that we're all kind of familiar with in this age because so many people have capitalized on it. Um, but your thoughts do matter, right? Your story is what I'm talking about when it comes to your thoughts. They, they all believe in thoughts are a very, very good equivalency there. And so that's going to, what you focus on in the mind and, and how you think about things is oftentimes how things will turn up in the moment, right? We're talking about a much deeper way of manifesting your life, but yes, law of attraction is engaged there. The law of faith. So you've got to consider that everything that you want to manifest, everything that you can possibly dream or imagine, it already exists because it exists in your mind. There's no way that it can't exist otherwise either. So think about that for a moment. As above, so below. There's a lot of old spiritual teachings around this that are a lot older than everybody sitting in this course or listening to this podcast. 
And I've got to believe that that ancient wisdom is still paying off today. In fact, I've lived by it and can see it. So I know it's real. So you've got to understand that if you can think of it, it already exists. It's already written. All you have to do is just see it now by changing your belief structures and your stories. If you do the work, you change your belief structures and stories, you will be able to see exactly what you want to manifest and it'll happen right before you. So be open and ready to see. That's a spiritual practice actually. That's a discipline is being open. We're very, very closed. We're very closed people. Because of that programming, we close ourselves off. We close ourselves off to being taken advantage of. We close ourselves off to protect ourselves. We close ourselves off to not be hurt emotionally. There's so many reasons why we close ourselves off. I would encourage you to start having a, a discipline and a practice around very slyly, right, and very thoughtfully being open. Being open to opportunity. Being open to things as they come. Saying yes instead of no. Right? Think about the times that you say no in your life, right, around opportunities or things that come to you, and think about the excuses you told yourself as to why you said no. That'll engage the story some, right, and really give you a beadline on limited thinking and limited stories that you're engaged in. The law of expansion and magnification. So understand that even if you understand pure potentiality, understand that that can even expand. Right? So what you have right now, it can expand, and it will expand if you allow it. So I want to talk about allowing, too. Allowing is a big, big, big thing. It's almost like being open, but another person that I learned from said one time that you have to allow and then lean in. It's almost like um, if you desire too much at one point, you're going to choke the life out of something right, that you want. So what you have to do eventually is just have faith, allow, and just lean in with your desire a little bit, and then it'll start to come around to you, right? So that calls back into patience. So you're going to have to have patience and faith. Really believe in those, really understand those and engage those. Patience is a big, big thing in manifesting. The, thing, the other thing that I would tell you to do is not to concretize or... Um, really think that things have to be a certain way in order for them to manifest, okay? Once you start to engage a lot of the principles that I'm talking about here, right, a lot of these laws that I'm, that I'm discussing here, then you have to be open to the fact that it might manifest a whole different way than what you thought it had to manifest. Keep on saying yes, remove the limited thinking Right? And it might be that the path to manifesting that is completely different than what you thought it was in the first place. And so when you're saying no to opportunities that could manifest it in a way, you aren't seeing the whole picture yet. Just keep on saying yes, and eventually it'll manifest into what you want. So there we go. That's all I've got for today. There's a lot of things I could speak on otherwise that are like ritual and spiritual practices and things of that nature, but that's that's a, a big discussion to work with people on, and that's why I have my course. If any of you wanted to take it, it's called Spiritual Self-Mastery. It's listed on the website right now. And I'm open for discussion. If anybody has any questions. Yes.
Sure. It isn't, uh, and the person, for people with the podcast, this person asked about the container that I mentioned, how to contain money better or the energy of money better. And it isn't so much a ritual, it's a practice, right? And so the practice of really strengthening and expanding your auric field, okay? So, and this is getting a little uh, more in the metaphysical than what some people may be comfortable with listening to podcasts or whatever. I really don't care. This is just how it is. The, the thing that you'll want to engage with is um, a practice like Kundalini Yoga, for instance, that has a structure that really strengthens and engages the auric field, and they have practices that move the corporal body, right, that allow you to start to engage that field and expand it and strengthen it. It works on the nervous system more so than it works with the actual muscles of the body. You know, it isn't a lot of yoga where you're standing in poses for, you know, so long or, or whatever it may be that, that um, really engage the muscle structure. It's more poses that engage the nervous system. And in engaging the nervous system, you make your, your spiritual self a little bit more strong, right? And in, it also expands the org field in a very real way. And so that, that's a very simple answer. There's other things you can do, um, but that would be a longer answer than, than what I could give at least have time for now. There's rituals you could do. There's all kinds of things you could do. But the simplest way is just to look up Kundalini Yoga, start doing that, look up Guru Jagat, um, Rama TV. Um, those are really, really good resources for you to start to engage that org field, expand it so that you can actually hold the money that's coming in. Yogi Bhajan, that guy that I mentioned, he's, he died a multi-multi-millionaire. He owned the most successful security company in America as it stands even now. Um, he owns, you know, he had all kinds of cars and everything like that. So, Yeah, Yogi T that you see at, at Whole Foods, he owned that. Um, so, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, and he did that through this understanding you know, of uh, being able to engage the org field, how to draw things in, the, the different laws of attraction that he understood. But he actually had a container for it through his spiritual practice. That's the main thing. You've got to have a spiritual practice. So it's a practice to engage in it and expand that. Anything else? Yes. Yes, so binaural beads would be excellent. It's fine. Um, the, I did have my mo. I did have the reason why I use binaural beads. And for the people online, she asked about the meditation practice of binaural beads and if it was okay to use that as your moment of silence. And I use binaural beads in those moments for a specific purpose because I knew I needed to reprogram myself. I was at a place of pure survival when I couldn't walk. You know what I'm saying? But if you are in, and it's perfectly fine and great to do binaural beads. I think they're amazing. But at least five to 10 minutes of just being with yourself without the beats would be highly recommended. And the more you can expand it, the better. It's kind of hard to sit with ourselves with nothing, you know? And the reason why is because of our nervous system. It isn't developed yet through practices and spiritual engagements. We haven't unpacked ourselves enough to deal with the trauma that's stored in the body, you know, that kind of thing. And it's hard to just sit with it for a minute and just breathe. The breath oftentimes, that's why somatic therapy is amazing, because the breath can, can guide you to emotions that just unpack automatically, you know. But if you can, just for five minutes a day, even without the binaural beats, maybe before you go to bed or whatever it may be, just sit upright and just be with yourself with no noise. And just see what engages. Just quiet the mind. You'll be amazed at how after like a week or two of doing that, things start to change a little bit. Yeah, you're welcome. Anyone else? Yes. 
Sure, I can list as a resource uh, many courses and many different teachers and things like that, that that I've come to contact with, depending on your interests. You know, it'll be dependent upon your interests. But um, what would be helpful probably um, is if I, I got your email address, like if I gave, I gave you like um, the email address that we, I gave you one of my cards, you just emailed it me and said, hey, I'm interested in those courses and I'll, I'll give you like a list. That way you have them as opposed to me just saying them offhand and you have it written down on a sheet of paper in your phone, you lose it or whatever it may be. So yeah, I'd love to do that for you. Yes. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Anyone else? Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things. I think that and prayer. So I, when, when I was started this whole thing in between, um, but even before, like after, after I could walk and came back from Peru and everything like that, I was still living with my parents and still had two kids to take care of and had kind of a pathetic life, to be honest with you. And I, I fell to my knees and said, I want to live my potential. I'm a human being trying to become help me find real teachers. And I meant it with everything I had. You do that on a consistent basis, they're gonna pop up. You're gonna find them and, and be searching, be doing the work on top of that, but really reach out and say, hey team, whoever's with me, I need fucking teachers and I need the real deal. You know, and you'll find them if, that, if you do it like that, for sure. It's about time, so anybody has any questions or like that, uh, anything like that, you're free to speak with me afterwards. I'll be here. Um, and I'm so glad that everybody came. Thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.